Okay, this is a uh, Shir on Likutei Sichais, volume 21, the portion of Va'era, the first Sicha in the book. This is a Sicha that's going to give us a look at how to read the opening verses of the portion of Va'era, and it's going to give us a look about the, I won't say tug of war, about the relationship between Pshat, the simple reading of the of the of the verse, and sometimes the inevitable integration of medrash to be able to get the background and to be able to make contextual sense of the topic. So we'll see that the medrash and the pshat here require each other to give us a full comprehension of what takes place in the dialogue between Hashem, between Moshe Rabbeinu and Hashem. <laughs> And this is unique, this sikh is unique because Rashi is really giving us, the way the Rebbe shows us what Rashi is teaching us, is Rashi will be teaching us how sometimes you cannot just rely on the uh, on the literal, simple translation of the words, even, even from the prism of Rashi, which is usually he reads the simple translation. Sometimes you need to understand the context which the Medrash gives, and they must be read together. And this is one of those unique places. So let's jump in. It's an enigmatic uh, topic in general because it's Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Hashem last week and he complains. Something that has never happened before in the history, in the two and a half thousand years of the history of the world, nobody has ever come to Hashem in the way that Moshe Rabbeinu um, challenged Hashem. And about against this background, we start the Sikha, chapter, paragraph one. On the verses in the beginning of our Pasha that says, el Avram, and I appeared to Avram, etc. And I have also established my covenant with them. Rashi brings two interpretations. In other words, the very Parsha opens with a Pasuk that doesn't seem to have an easy explanation. The Pesach starts, Hashem spoke to Moshe. I appear to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So what is the Pesach, what is the Pesach introducing? What is the meaning of those words? It's not just a historical fact. We all know that Hashem appeared to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Read the, the book of Bereshis, you'll see it. Rashi, the, Hashem is telling Avram, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu something in response to something. So one way of learning these verses is that the content of this verse is a preparation for what Hashem is about to say. Hashem is going to say, look, I appear to Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. I promise them I'm going to take their children to the land. Now I have heard the cries of the Jewish people, the groans of the Jewish people, and that's why I tell the Bnei Yisrael now I'm going to take you out of Egypt. And he uses four descriptive verses Plus he says, I'll bring you to the land of Israel. In other words, in introduction to Hashem saying, I'm going to take the Jewish people out, he first says, I'm doing it because I promised the forefathers. I made a, I made a covenant, I made a pact. I haven't yet fulfilled it, so now Moshe Rabbeinu should know that promise that I made to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, now has come the time I'm going to fulfill it. That's the simple reading of the verse. Second option in reading this opening words of the parasha is based our rabbis expounded that this opening verse of the parsha is going back, is referring back to something we just read in the last parsha. 
When Moshe Rabbeinu says, Lama Hareota, why have you done bad to these people? Remember, Hashem tells Moshe, go tell the Paro, let my people go. He goes to say it, Paro says, ah, you guys are, 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 are lazy. You have time during the day to dream about, about being free. I'm not going to give you straw. You've produced the same quota without us providing straw. So they complained, it became even worse. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, why have you done bad? Why did you send me? Nothing happened, nothing good happened. Now this pasuk, this parsha, comes and says, by the way, Moshe Rabbeinu, you said, why have you done bad? I want to tell you that I'm not used to having this experience. The people I used to speak to, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, when I told them things, even if I didn't fulfill them, they never spoke back. Why are you speaking back? And so Hashem spoke harshly to Moshe here. So in other words, again, I just want to... Um, I just want to make clear the two two ways of learning this narrative. Our pasuk, our pasha starts by Moshe Hashem spoke to Moshe and said, "I am Hashem, and I appeared to Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and I promised them to take them out of Egypt, and I didn't do it yet. But now I heard the groans of the people of Israel. I'm going to take them out of Egypt. It's a self-standing parsha. You don't have to go back and say it refers to anything that was said earlier." Comes Rashi and says, "Our rabbis taught that actually the first verse of the parsha." goes back, or actually the uh, the um, the parsha in general, the beginning, this parsha goes back unto Moshe Rabbeinu's question to Hashem, his challenge to Hashem, why have you done bad to the people? And Moshe Rabbeinu, and Hashem comes back to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, excuse me, I'm not used to this kind of behavior. The forefathers, I miss them. They didn't speak back to me. They didn't need to understand everything. And Hashem was speaking a little bit harshly. So... Um, Rashi then continues, and he says that I just brought a medrash, that this is a continuation, a response to Moshe Rabbeinu's question, why have you done bad? But the truth is the medrash doesn't really fit in the literal context of the Pasuk for several reasons. And he brings two questions about why it doesn't fit. Just the flow doesn't fit. And then he continues, says, but that's why I say, let's read the verse based on the what the simple, the pshat of the text is as I've explained, but the expounding, the drasha, the drasha will also stand. How can they both be coexistent, the simple meaning, and a drasha, a medrash that's different than the simple meaning? Well, it says already in the verse that halo kod valai ka'esh, based in Yirmiya, it says, my words, says Hashem, are like fire. Ukepatish so my words are like fire. And also, like a, a hammer that breaks a rock. Says Rashi, and it divides into several sparks. We need to understand, and we're going to analyze, what does it mean that the hammer bangs the rock? And But the way we understand it now, the hammer splinters the rock. The rock goes in all directions. Similarly, Hashem's word is able to be splintered off into many directions. There's not just one interpretation. It can at the same time contain various different levels of interpretations. As Rashi, in this Pasuk, learn the Pshat, but also learn the Medrash. So, really, it seems that Rashi is trying to tell us, first of all, that according to Pshat, um, if you want to learn the simple reading of the Pasuk, the little reading of the Pasuk, the Medrash doesn't fit in. just doesn't fit into the words properly. 
And usually Rashi says, I come to explain pshat, explain the simple, the simple meaning. And only I bring Agada, I bring Medrash only when I need to, um, when when the Agada, when the Medrash fits well into the words, into the into the topic. Um so here the Medrash really doesn't fit. On the other hand, Rashi's saying that don't say the Medrash doesn't have any any relevance here because look, even if the Medrash is not literal, says Rashi, the Drasha should be should be expounded because the Torah itself can be divided into so many ways, just like a, a rock splinters into many different pieces. So on the contrary, there's a way of Shat, but there's also a way of Drash, there's also a way of Medrash. That should not be taken away. We need both of them, says Rashi. But that seems a bit odd, paragraph two, why? Because, first of all, Rashi does not usually bring down an interpretation and then say, but it doesn't really fit. Rashi's not a, a book of bringing options and, and having a pill-pull. Rashi just wants you to understand the Chumash. He says, he you know, he brings the, 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 the interpretation that fits. Here, Rashi brings a Rabotenu Darshu. He brings a Medrash. And then he says, but it doesn't really fit. But it doesn't really fit. Don't bring it. The other hand, if Rashi wants to tell us that even when a Medrash doesn't fit Pshat, literally, it still has a place in the truth of understanding the Torah, because the Torah can be splintered into many. It's like a rock that has many different splinters. They're all part of the rock. Just because one, one splinter went here, one splinter went there, where's the rock? The rock is in all of them. So if that's what Rashi is trying to tell us, why doesn't he say it the first time he brings a Medrash? That's not here. You know how many parshas we are into the Torah? We are, did the whole book of Bereshis. We're in the second book of, of the book of Shemot. We've brought Medrash in the first in the first part of the Torah there was Medrash already. We're going to get there. This is going to be. This is actually the topic. How to how to how to reconcile that there are conflicting interpretations and how they can both be relevant in the same pasuk and be brought by Rashi. You see, important to note the fact that other that other mefarshim, other commentaries bring conflicting interpretations. That's not a problem. They didn't set out to just be a the 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 the, the translation of the Torah. Rashi set out to be the guide for the five year old. He only brings alternative interpretations when you need them to understand the pasuk. Here he does something unusual. He brings a medrash. It says doesn't fit the, the simple meaning, but a medrash still stands. If you're trying to validate that there's room for medrash, okay, say it the first time you bring a medrash. But we're well into the Torah and now we understand that medrash has a place. Why is it relevant here? What what's special about this medrash in this? particular topic that he brings this that he makes this point especially <laughs> in the in the book of Bereshis Rashi says there are many Medrashim and he says you can look in Medrash Bereshis Rabbah you can look in various places and he says but I have come to explain Pshat right he's already told us that we know that there's that Rashi obviously believes in Medrash and says there are Medrashim but here it seems to be and if that's the case, why doesn't Rashi give his analogy of the splitting of the rock in the first time he brings a medrash to say that, the, yes, the Torah can be understood in many different ways, like a rock can splinter into many different fragments of the stone. 
Paragraph 3. Simply speaking, we learn that Rashi brings, why does Rashi bring the Medrash? The Rabotainu, what our, what our rabbis expound? Because this will answer several questions in the actual verse. And that is as follows. Again, try and picture, try and picture the makeup of the Parsha. The Parsha starts, Hashem spoke to Moshe. Hashem spoke to Moshe. Hashem said, I am Hashem. Rashi says, Elokim. Elokim is Hashem as judge. Hashem is judging Moshe here. Usually when Hashem speaks to Moshe later on in the Torah, how does he say it? Vaydaber Hashem el Moshe lemor. Hashem Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke is a merciful name. It's a soft name. Hashem speaks lovingly to Moshe. Here he doesn't speak lovingly. The verse opens up with Vaydaber Elokim el Moshe. Hashem speaks judgmentally to Moshe. And Rashi says he spoke to him judgmentally because Moshe spoke to him just before a little bit harshly, he says, Hashem, why did you do bad? Now, Rashi doesn't say that that's a medrash. Rashi learns that as being simple interpretation of pshat. By, we have to understand why the word Elohim is used. The Torah is telling us Hashem spoke harshly to Moshe. But then Hashem says that um, Then, then, then Rashi says that the continuation and I appear to the forefathers is the beginning of a new topic. Not just, and I spoke to the forefathers, but the second part of the first verse. Remember, this verse starts by Daber Elohim El Moshe. Elohim spoke to Moshe judgmental. Et nachta, pause, halfway through the Pasuk. The Pasuk continues. Hashem. He said, I'm Hashem, Yudke Vavke, merciful. I fulfill my promises. And I've promised the forefathers. And that's why I'm going to listen to the Jews. You see that in the middle of the Pasuk, first part of the Pasuk goes back on, on rebuking, judge, you know, being harsh to Moshe. The middle of the Pasuk, all of a sudden, starts a new topic. Hashem speaks gently and he says, I did promise and I need to fulfill my promise and I've heard their groans. It's, it's, it's a big problem. It's a big problem in Pshat. To have a Pasuk just dividing like that. First half of Pasuk going back on being harshly on the before and the second half Pasuk starting a new topic. It's a bit of a problem. Also, right after Moshe says, why have you done? Lama why have you done bad? Hashem does give an answer. He says, you will see now what I will do. I'll kick the Jew, I'll take the Jews out of Egypt. In that you will see now, there's an inference. Uh-oh. You're going to see what's going to happen now in Exodus which you're not going to see what will happen later in going into the land of Canaan, the big victories of settling the land. Moshe Rabbeinu was already told, you spoke to me, so to speak, judgmentally, Hashem says, I'm going to judge you back. You're not going to go into the land of Canaan. It was already told here that he's not going to make it into the land of Israel. So if that's the case, he was already reprimanded. So why this harsh talk? Why isn't it part of last week's parsha? Why isn't it? Why is it the beginning of this week's parsha? And then in the middle of the of the pasuk, Hashem moves over to speaking, according to the pshat, Hashem moves over to speaking in the name of Yudke Vavke, in the merciful name, and He says, "Yes, I did promise, and I have to fulfill." That's why Rashi says, "Look, we got it. We need to also take into account there's another way of understanding this because the literal pshat way of understanding has some fundamental questions that we cannot walk away from." So that's why Rashi says that there's also Rabbi Seinu, there's also the teaching of our of our sages. 
the Medrash. According to that, it makes perfect sense. In the Medrash, we learn the Medrashic, by Daber Elokim Moshe, Hashem spoke harshly to Moshe, and he told him, look, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem who always fulfills what I said. I came to the forefathers, and they never questioned me. This is all part of the judgmentalism. It doesn't stop. It's a flow. It's a much more perfect flow. It's the same, by, it's the Mishpat, when Hashem speaks judgmentally to Moshe, he follows through in the next few psukim as well. The flow works much better. There are other issues which tell us it's not pshat, but on the other hand, the simple literal translation also has a critical, a critical issue, which means we need to look for some alternate way of giving meaning to why it was moved into this parashim. Paragraph 4. However, when you really look closely, you can't really answer this because Rashi, it would be nice if Rashi would say that there's such a big question, we need the Medrash. So you guys, we, we, need, we need joint effort here. I can explain it literally, but I need the Medrash as well. Let's do a joint effort here. Let's make a partnership. But Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi says, <laughs> the, the, the Medrash doesn't fit the Pasuk for several reasons. In other words, <laughs> the, the, um, the, 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 the interpretation, are the problems, the issues with the interpretation are so big that... Um, one second. Yeah, the Medrash cannot. There's there's serious questions also in the Medrash's interpretation to reconcile it with Pshat. It doesn't fit the simple translation of the Pasuk. So if that's the, que the, the, the case, the question comes back. If you're telling us that the Medrash doesn't fit the literal translation, so why bring the Medrash? Rashi, you have set out your task to be a literal translator, not a Midrashic uh, uh, bringer. Because even in the place where Rashi does recognize that there's a Medrash and even re refers to a Medrash, it's always answering a question that arises in the simple reading of the Pasuk. And Rashi will say, you know, there's Medrash. Many places Rashi says, you know, there's another way of looking at the Medrash. He doesn't quote the Medrash. Here he quotes it and says, but it doesn't work literally. It doesn't work literally. Don't, 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 don't tell us the details of it. So th there's something going on here, which is different than the average relationship between sim the, the simple meaning and the Medrash. In this particular case, there's something, there's something um, deeper or something different than um, than usual. Hey. So, paragraph five. In the continuation of Rashi, it says, Bahadrasha Tidaresh, that the expounding, the drasha will be expounded. As it says, is, are my, are my, um, are my words not like fire, says Hashem, and like a hammer shatters a stone, and it goes to various sparks. We have to understand what is this sparks coming out of a stone. Sparks don't usually come out of a stone. When it says splitting into several sparks, the mafarshim, the commentaries try to understand what does it mean? What's what's being divided? What's dividing into sparks? One interpretation is speaking about the stone shattering into various, we wouldn't call them sparks, we would call them 
fragments of stone, pieces of stone. Like a hammer shatters a stone. In other words, the stone breaks down. And similarly, there's many interpretations. It's like, it's like the, the verse is broken down into various interpretations. They're all part of the verse, just like the fragments are part of the stone. Another interpretation of this analogy is that it means that the, 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 the hammer gets broken down. The cella, the stone is so powerful that the iron hammer gets, gets broken down. That's another way of learning it. And the third way of learning this analogy is that it's going, it's going to the hammer, but it means that the hammer itself doesn't mean the hammer gets broken into fragments, but through banging the hammer on the stone, what comes out of the hammer hitting the stone are sparks of fire. So the, the, the sparks are literally like the flint, like, 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 like from the friction, sparks go shooting in all directions. In each of the ways of learning, there's a difficulty. Either way you learn, there's a difficulty in, 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 in understanding the analogy. Why? In the first way that when we talk about the rock fragmenting, it's not understood since the rock fragments into many pieces. Why is Rashi calling it sparks? Sparks are things that are shiny. Sparks are not fragments of stone. That The, the word nitzotzot in Hebrew doesn't really fit that. In the second interpretation that the hammer is breaking down into, into fragments, also not understood. Um, first of all, it's against the simple understanding to say that the hammer gets broken down by the stone. Uh, that's first of all. Second of all, Rashi should have brought that here we're talking, Rashi should, would have had to specify, we're talking about a very hard rock that can't even be broken by iron, right? And that's why it breaks the iron uh, hammer. Not like a regular stone, which usually in a regular stone, the hammer will break the stone. In the third interpretation, so the first two ways of understanding that either the, the stone is fragmented or the hammer breaks down, both of these are difficult to understand. Even in the third interpretation, when we speak about the sparks going from the stone, the hammer hitting the stone, so it's still, it says it divides. It divides into several sparks. It means that something is dividing. When sparks go out from a, a metal hitting a rock, that's not... That's, <laughs> That's sparks that are not coming out of the rock. It's not that the rock is being divided, right? So, and, and here we have an even bigger question. Rashi writes, Rashi is supposed to be writing for a five-year-old. He writes things clearly. It should be understood to a five-year-old. Why does Rashi write this in such an enigmatic way? We have three ways of understanding it. Each of them doesn't really fit so well. And a bigger question is, that when Rashi gives a similar explanation in his interpretation on the Talmud, he says that the stone fragments. If he says there that it means clearly the stone is fragmenting, why doesn't he say that clearly in his interpretation to the Torah where he's speaking to a, 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 a Talmud, you're supposed to be 15-year-old. In the, in the Chumash, you're supposed to be 5-year-old. If in the Talmud where he explains what it means Talmudically, Rashi explained that the stone fragments, and he says it clearly without leaving any room for doubt. Why doesn't he say it clearly to the five-year-old here? So it must mean he doesn't mean it. Otherwise, he would say it. 
And there's another thing we understand, paragraph six, another thing we have to look at in Rashi. When Rashi brings this verse like a hammer breaking down a rock or a hammer being broken by a rock or a hammer sparking a rock, however we'll understand it, he also brings the first part of the verse. My words, my words are like fire. Why is that relevant? Why is it relevant to speak about the words of Hashem being like fire? Really, what's the analogy supposed to tell us? The analogy is supposed to tell us you can have several interpretations on the same verse and they're all right. They're all valid. The analogy is you can break a rock into many pieces and they're all they're all the rock. Even though there's one this side, one that side, they flew in different directions. It's all the rock. You can break down the Torah into different interpretations. It's all Torah. Why do I have to bring the first part of the verse that says the Torah is like fire? What's that got to do with understanding that the Torah can be given in many different in many different interpretations? We've asked a lot of questions. I hope we're going to have some good answers, right? A bigger question even. This concept that we learn, just like a, 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 a hammer splatters a rock, right, into many sparks, similarly, the Torah gets divided into many different portions. We have it in two other places in the Talmud. Talmud in Tractate of Shabbos, the Talmud in the Book of Sanhedrin, and in the Mesech de Shabbos, we learn. What does this teach us? The Tractate of Shabbos, the Gemara says, this teaches us that every word of Hashem, every utterance of Hashem can be divided into 70 languages. And in Mesech de Sanhedrin, the Tractate of Sanhedrin tells us every word of Hashem Every verse of Hashem can be learned, can be, can be, one can learn, one can see it, one can see many reasons for the same verse. There can be many reasons coming to explain that same mitzvah, that same halacha, that same verse. In both of those places where it tells us about the fragmentation, about the fact that the Torah can be, can, can, is divided into so many ways, it does not bring the opening word of that pasuk, which Rashi brings here, which is that my words are like fire. You don't need the, the fire to explain, to learn this, to learn what we're really trying to teach, that it's like a rock that can go be broken down into many different fragments, which is why the just as the Torah can be broken down into many different reasonings, many different levels of understanding. Interesting. There is another. Here's, there's a, 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 a. So that's that's the question. We have to understand what is Rashi, what does he mean by the the fragmentation? What's being fragmented, and why does he bring the pasuk, the beginning of the pasuk, that the words of Hashem are like fire? Here we have now something parenthetical. The Gemara Sukkah brings us another example, some some other uh, um, concept of hammer breaking stone as follows. The Gemara says, Masechta Kedusha, Masechta Sukkah. That if the Yetzaharim, if that disgusting guy starts up with you, which disgusting guy? The disgusting guy that's in every one of us, the Yetzara. If that maneuver is called a maneuver, despicable guy. If that maneuver, that despicable person in you, that Yetzahara, comes and wants to start up with you, pull him to the Beit Medrash, pull him to the house of study Torah. Because you know what happens in the house of study Torah? He's gonna be. He's gonna lose his battle. He's gonna I mean, do do anything to you. Why? Dot dot dot. But the Gemara finishes. Even if your despicable guy inside of you is as strong as iron, he's gonna mitpotsets. He's gonna mitpotsets. Literally gonna explode. Mitpotsets. He's gonna be, become fragmented. Why? Because it says in the Torah, "My words," Hashem says, "Words of Torah are like fire," and just like a hammer splatters a stone. 
Splint is a stone. That's the way Hashem's words are. So if you take the, the strong guy in you, that strong Yetzirah, you take him to the Beit Medrash, take him to the house of study, Torah is so powerful, it's going to splinter him. It's going to knock him out. So there we understand why the Pasuk brings. So you see there the Torah, the Pasuk brings, the Talmud brings the beginning of the Pasuk. My words are like fire. But we understand why he brings there the my words are like fire. You know why? Because we, we're talking about taking the Yetzirah to the house of study. And we're saying if he's strong as iron, he's going to explode. How is that? Because we know that fire has a very strong effect on metal. And so we want to tell you, even if it's like metal, it's bring him to the Torah. The Torah is going to be like this. The words of Hashem are like a powerful fire. It's going to expand. It's going to affect the metal. It's going to overpower the metal. But here in our interpretation, when we're seemingly just trying to say that just like a stone splinters, similarly the Torah can be learned in many different interpretations, why bring the first part of that pasuk about the fieriness of Torah? Paragraph 7. Oy, so many questions. These questions we asked become even bigger when we take a look at the portion of Vayishlach where Rashi similarly has a what seems to be a conflict between Pshat and Medrash. And the Pasuk where it says that Hashem, Vayikralo, that Yaakov built him his Beach. Vayikralo, and he called it Kel Elokei Yisrael. The God of the God of Jacob, of Yisrael. Rashi says there's two interpretations. One is literal, pshat, and one is expounded by the Medrash, Abu Seinu uh, The two interpretations there is that, by Yikra, that either Yaakov built him his Beach and he called it with a name that would remind him about the miracles that Hashem does, that Hashem is the God of Israel and he saved him. Or the Medrash is that by Yikra law, that he called him um if I remember correctly, that Hashem, Elokei Saul, Hashem, the God of Israel, called him, called Yaakov Kale, gave him the name Kale, also the God. But I don't remember what uh, fully the message said. Sorry, but anyway, there's there's this. So there's this. The struggle, so to speak. There's a medrash and there's literal. And the Rashi finishes there with a similar analogy like we're saying here, but this is back in Vayishla. He says, The words of Torah are like a hammer that splinters a rock. Gets divided into several reasons. But Ani says Rashi, even though can, the Torah can be divided into many different interpretations, I have come, Bati. I have come to make things work in the simple interpretation of the Torah. I give literal interpretation. So Rashi said very clearly. First of all, yes, it divides into many different ways, and that's going on the Torah. And the analogy is that the the hammer splinters the stone, which means that the stone is the Torah and the hammer splits the Torah. In other words, the Torah can be can go many different directions. But Rashi also says, but Rashi doesn't bring the, that the Torah is like fire. You see, so he, he brought that analogy earlier. And again, he didn't bring the fire part. So why when in our, in our parsha, first of all, why does he say mitchalek lekama nitzotzot why doesn't he say, as he said in the book of Bereshit, that the stone gets splintered into different parts? And also, why does he bring 
the 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 pasuk about the, the Torah being like fire. So now we're going to answer paragraph eight. So now we're going to try and pull it all together. A lot of questions, but the answer will pull everything together. First of all, one change is going to answer the other. <clears throat> These changes that Rashi brings from the way he interprets in the portion of Bayishlach, where he has a struggle between Pshat and Medrash, and the fact that he adds that the word, my words, the words of Torah are like fire, and the fact that he writes that it gets divided into sparks and not into particles of stone, Rashi is telling us very clearly, open, in other words, Rashi is being very clear, that the sparks, that the division that takes place is going on the fire. You know, if he speaks about fire and then he uses the word nitzotzot, he obviously means the fire and sparks are two terminologies that fit. Pieces of stone are not nitzotzot. So the other places where he doesn't speak about fire, he speaks about the stone fragmenting. Here where he says, my words are like fire, says Hashem, he speaks about nitzotzot. Obviously those nitzotzot, the sparks, are going back to the analogy of fire. So one second, how is this working? What it means here is, just like simple, just read Rashi simply. Rashi says like this, Hashem says, aren't my words like fire? And my words and the Torah is like a, a hammer which can break a rock. And just like a hammer breaks a rock, the analogy of a hammer breaking a rock, now look at fire, the Torah being fire, the fire also becomes divided into many sparks. It's not that the rock is becoming sparks. It's my words are like fire, and my words are like, and just like a, a hammer breaks a rock into many fragments, the fire of Torah can also be broken into many subsets of fire, into many sparks. Oh, the reason why Rashi changes his, his language from the portion of Vayishlach, where he talks about the Torah being like a rock splintered into many different ways, many interpretations. He speaks here about the, that the Torah is like fire with and, and, and the fire is divided into sparks, sparks coming out of a fire. Each spark is like another interpretation is because here the best way to explain the, 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 the relationship between the Pshat and the Medrash here is like sparks of fire. What is that? As we're going to now spell out. Paragraph 9. The liter the meaning of what Rashi is saying, when Rashi says, look, I have an issue. I have an issue that the Medrash doesn't fit the, the literal words. That's why I say, let the Pasuk be understood simply, but let the Drasha also stand alongside it. It's not the way it sounds just uh, um, in 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 a, in a quick reading, that Rashi is trying to tell us the, the medrash is is not untrue. It doesn't fit the words, but let it be there. It's it's also true. No, that's not what we're saying. Obviously, medrash is true. We've been bringing medrash the whole all the parshas till now. Rashi's been bringing medrash. We don't have to tell us now that the medrash is a valid way of understanding Torah. What no? What Rashi's saying is that in the pshat, in the literal translation of the Torah, because there are such structural problems, there are such there are fundamental issues with, even in the pshat, again, we said like, the whole pasuk, the, the whole, the, this whole discussion is strange because Hashem 
speaks half a sentence referring back to what was, and then he starts the new sentence, a new topic. It's, it's The pshat is difficult. The drasha is needed. But the problem is the drasha doesn't fit the words. But it's not like they're two opposing things. He, what Rashi what, what, what Rashi is telling us is that we have a we have a serious problem in understanding the verses according to Pshat. And therefore, we need the drasha to be standing alongside the literal. In other words, usually what we say is, look, we have the literal interpretation. We have a question about it. I'll bring a medrash which answers that question. Here we're saying something even more fundamental. We're saying that even though we could understand the Pasuk in Pshat, in literal interpretation, and it's the way, it's the main way we should understand it, because it fits the words, it fits the sentence, it, it fits better. Nonetheless, the Pshat itself, the, the, the literal reading of the verse itself, tells us there's something missing here. There's, there, it, it's kind of hinting at something that needs to be alongside it, some deeper interpretation, the medrash. We need the medrash here. In other words, the pshat itself is, is, is so to speak, forcing, is inviting, is begging, is, 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 is insisting that there's also a, a drasha because it's something so irksome about reading the literal that we need the drasha to be there alongside it. Says Rashi, that's why, even though I've told you the medrash doesn't fit, doesn't fit the literal trans, the literal reading, I'm going to bring it anyway. Because in the maskana, Rashi says, in the in, in the conclusion, I need it. I need the medrash because there's a there, there are there's a, a fundamental issue with reading the Pasuk without the medrash. What do we say? Get, let's get a little deeper into this. Paragraph 10. Explanation about this a little deeper. In the words that, in, in those other places, this is not the first place where Rashi brings literal, and then Rashi brings a way to explain it in Medrash. In places where Rashi says there are many ways of understanding this in Medrash, where Rashi means to say that, look, I explained it to you in Pshat, in literal translation, but there are some issues that are not fully explained by the Pshat. So I want to let you know there is Medrash, which will take away those issues, right? That's usually what Rashi brings, Pshat and then Medrash. But since... Um, but besides for that problem that is still unanswered, usually... There's no problem with learning the Pasuk literally. In other words, there's one issue in other places where it brings a Medrash. The Pasuk fits. I can read the Pasuk without the Medrash. But, you know, there's an issue that's still unanswered. I want you to know there's a Medrash that deals with that. So you should know about the Medrash also. Here it's different. Here what Rashi is saying that the, even though the Medrash doesn't fit the words, but there's issues in this discussion that the Pshat just does not, cannot address, cannot, cannot lay the matter to rest. We need the medrash here. Yes, medrash like the Gemara's many. Uh, uh, the um, certain medrashim have have certain authors, but uh, the medrash Rabbah is a compilation. You'll find many like the Gemara, like the Mishnah. You'll find many. 
Medeshraba, no, no, this is, I don't know who authored this, but Medeshraba has, brings many opinions. Medeshraba is, 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 is Tanaik. It's Mishnah, 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 uh, way before Rashi, of course. So here Rashi is saying, when, when the five-year-old reads the Pasuk, and, it's, and he hears Moshe Rabbeinu saying, Hashem, why did you do bad? In last week's parsha, and Hashem speaks harshly to him, and he remembers, one second, I remember I learned about Avram Yitzchak Yaakov in the book of Bereshis. They also had plenty of things they could have complained to about Hashem, just like Moshe, but they didn't. So he understands simply that certainly when 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 Hashem brings up the forefathers, he's definitely telling Moshe, look, I missed this kind of behavior. You're challenging me. They didn't. On the contrary, if Moshe wouldn't, if Hashem wouldn't have answered that way to Moshe, the five-year-old would say, why didn't Hashem take him to task? Here comes the Moshe Rabbeinu and starts uh, complaining. Why doesn't he tell him, look, you're not the first guy on the block. There was you come from good stock, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov. They were they were big uh, saints. They never asked me questions. So therefore, after Rashi explains that um, that that's the medrash. The medrash says that after Moshe complained, Hashem says, "Hello, I'm going to speak harshly to you." And I appear to Avram Yitzchak Yaakov. They didn't speak to me like that, but that's medrash. So it's almost like the medrash. In content, in 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 concept, is pshat, but the problem is it doesn't fit into the psukim. In other words, if I want to get into the mind of a five-year-old, makes perfect sense that Moshe Rabbeinu starts complaining and Hashem says hello. I mean, I don't I don't want to put something in the sicha that's not there, but imagine a a, a kid comes and complains, and uh, you know this is the the youngest kid in the family, and he has a bunch of kids on top of him. And the father would say, hello, you know, you have older brothers. I told them the same thing. They never said a word about it. Like, what, you know, I told you to clean up your toys. I've been telling 10 kids that were born, that came before you, they all did it. You're, you're, you're now saying, it's not fair. Why do I have to clean my toys? In the five-year-old, the, 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 the discussion makes perfect sense. But the problem is, says Rashi, that's not a pshat in the words. It's a medrash. So that's why Rashi says, I first I explain what the rabbis say. But I also want to tell you, it's not in the it's not in the words. Um, so after, so, so first of all, she says, "I'm going to tell you the pshat of Rabbi Seinu." He doesn't yet say what it is. He says, "But it's not in the words." Um, but why why isn't it pshat taka? So first of all, we don't know everything that Hashem always said. Sometimes it's enough. Hashem says, the fact that it says that Hashem spoke to Moshe and the word used is Elohim, which is judgmental. It could be that there's another, another, other things Hashem said which just the Torah didn't record. That's not that that's that's not unusual, right? Um, also. He has already responded. Hashem has already told him at the end of last week's parsha, "You're going to see Exodus. You're not going to see entry into Israel." And that's already very harsh. So, 
if Hashem is speaking harshly, why wouldn't he also continue to speak and compare him to Avram Yitzchak Yaakov? So it's not the pshat, because it doesn't fit the literal translation of the words. The literal translation of the words, Moshe, Hashem opened up a new topic. He spoke harshly, and then he opened a new topic. He says, look, I promised Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, I'm going to fulfill my promise. In the Medrash way of understanding, he's, Hashem speaks harshly, and he says, and hey, I must say, I'm comparing you to Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, and they didn't ask questions, you do. That's not that's not good. That's medrash. Again, as I say, it makes sense to the five year old as pshat, but it doesn't fit the words. So it's a the correlation here between the medrash and the pshat is much more is much more tight. The medrash is is really so so close to fitting into pshat. The Rashi says, therefore, I say, let's read the pasuk literally, the simple the simple meaning. But let the drasha not go away. Let the drasha also stand alongside of it. Because since we need the drasha in the content of the understanding, the psukim, um, it means that yeah, we should list, leave this drasha because it makes so much sense in the actual narrative. The drasha will stand by the pshat um, even though it's not literal. Even though it doesn't fit the words literally. In other words, Really, in, in in a way, we're saying that the simple reading of the Pasuk here is telling us two things. The things that it says literally and the things that allegorically it hints at. So literally, I appear to Avon Yitzchak Yaakov is saying, I promised I'm going to do my promise. But the Medrash tells us there's also allegory in those words. Those words are also hinting at something else. Why aren't you like Avon Yitzchak Yaakov, who I spoke to them and they didn't question me? So now, really, paragraph 11, since Rashi is saying this is a new, this is really a new track for Rashi. This is kind of a new twist. Rashi is giving us a new twist here. Because usually, Rashi makes a very clear distinction. Am I speaking pshat now? Medrash that fits into pshat, or am I giving you a, a, a medrash? Here, Rashi is saying, Rashi is riding on Rashi's really riding on two. I'm not sure what it means. Rashi's really riding on both horses, like riding on both. Uh, I don't know what the word Rashi is. Rashi's riding on two things. He's saying there's the pshat, there's the medrash, and they need to be. They need. They need each other. So, where where do we find such such a concept? Yeah. But that's unusual for Rashi to bring to bring that that close relationship without it's it's a blurry distinction here. The Pshat and the Medrash are kind of being intertwined. But where do we see such a concept? Because Rashi brings that what does it mean? My words are like fire, says Hashem. Just like a hammer can splinter a stone, the fire gets broken down into many sparks, which means. What's the difference between a stone splintering and a fire sparking? If I want to look at the difference between sparks, if I divide the, sp the fire into sparks, or I divide a stone into splinters, there's a big difference. A stone is a stone is hard. A stone is, is, is substance, is mass. When I divide a stone into splinters, each part is different. I get different sizes. I get different... Uh, I'll get different forms of splintered stone. When I look at the sparks of a fire, 
they're all the same. The quantity, the quality, you can't really distinguish between one spark and another star. The only thing is, yeah, they're not the same spark. If I have two sparks coming out of the fire, one went there, one went there. They both look exactly the same. They are exactly the same, but they're not in the same place. So this is what Rashi is telling us. I want you to know that these two, in the Torah, you can also have sometimes that the um, the Torah gets divided and they're identically Torah. When Rashi said it, in Parshas Vayishach, he says like a stone crumbling. There can be a way of understanding different interpretations of the Torah like a stone splintering but then there's different reasons there's different there's there's different uh, parameters to it because it's like a stone each piece of stone is different um ah like also in that shot what rashi was commenting on here here here, here the rabbi brings rashi we can correct what i didn't know before he said he called the Israel. in the shot it means that he called the Mizbeach, Lo, he called the Mizbeach uh, uh, a name that reminded him of the miracle that Hashem, the God of Yisrael, did to Yaakov. In the in the in the Medrash, by Yikra Lo means Hashem called Yaakov. Hashem called by Yikra Lo, Kel Eloke Israel, Eloke Israel, the God of Jacob, Kalalo, called Yaakov Kel. He gave him. An elevation, he called him, in a sense, God. The word law is, you can't compare what it means in the Pshat, what it means in the Drosha. In the Pshat, it means he called him Mizbeach. The law goes on the Mizbeach. In the, the Drosha, the law goes on Yaakov. Here in our Pasha, we have a new, this is not a splintering of stones, the different interpretations. This is like the splitting of fire, where all both interpretations are the same. They're both requisite to understanding the pshat, understanding the simple understanding, just like sparks are exact same composite. This spark, that spark. It's just that they're different. This spark is pshat and this spark is medrash, but they're both equal and they're both equally required and equally relevant to the pasuk. Just one fits in the, in, in the words, one fits in the context, in the concept. Okay, so this is a, a um, we've, we've, we've tried to be very, speak about subtle things here. And we've come out with the fact that the, 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 this, this first Rashi, this, this beginning of the Pasha Vayera, there's a way we read it more literally, but then there's a way we have to understand it more in terms of the, of, of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to Hashem in a very challenging way and Hashem is responding to that challenge. What have we come out with, which will give us a rule about the Torah in totality, paragraph 12. So we see from this in a very powerful way how the entire Torah is one. In other words, what does it mean when we say that the Torah is one Torah? Even with all the different interpretations and levels and facets, it's one Torah. It doesn't just mean that everything emanates from one place. And because they're all intertwined, they all have to fit. They all have to fit into each other. And even it doesn't just mean that it's like one body where everything fits into, just like the different limbs of the body fit, and they're different, but they all fulfill 
the uh, the the the, com the complete state of a body with different functions. So it is with Torah. More than that, in every place, in every part of Torah, has its own ways of being studied. Pshat is pshat, medrash is medrash. But because it's all part of Hashem's Torah, it's all part of the fire of Hashem, in a way, it retains its simplicity, simplistic aspect of being the word of Hashem. And therefore, it's equal with all other parts of Torah. There's something about the Torah which is which which maintains its 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 godliness, and in that sense, it's equal to every other part of Torah. They're all sparks of fire which cannot really be. They're different, but they you can't see any difference between them. They're all the words of Hashem. And here we have, a, therefore, a, a teaching, paragraph thirteen, when it comes to the inner teaching of Torah, the neshama of Torah which there is resistance. There's resistance. Some say, look, I'm not a Kabbalistic kind of person. I'm not somebody who understands deeper things. So I'll stick to the what was always studied in, in, in traditional Judaism, the Talmud, the Halacha, the, the Chumash. I'm not going to open myself up to also studying the deeper aspects of Kabbalah, Hasidism, what we call the Neshama of the Torah, the soul of the Torah. But from this we understand that you cannot, that would be, since the Torah is one, so sometimes even when we want to understand something in the nigla, in the revealed aspect of Torah, the only way we can understand it is by going one step higher and understand, looking at it from the perspective of of the inner teaching of the Torah. And really, it's all part of one big Torah. So therefore, you find, for example, uh, that the um, that the Torah speaks about the the the, the feet of Hashem. This week's passage will speak about the finger of Hashem. Similarly, the um, and the, we need to understand those concepts. You need to get into deeper understanding of inner teachings of Torah. It doesn't mean Hashem is a finger, obviously. So we're going to have to go. And understand it in an allegoric way. We have to understand it in a Sephirot way, in a Kabbalistic way. On the other hand, some things in the books of the Arizal, who's the, the foremost Kabbalist, he has some very profound things that he teaches about Pshat, about literal interpretation. So really, they're all parts of one Torah. By learning all parts of Torah in a way that we feel and show that it's like one Torah, achat, one Torah. So we'll be able to merit to have the new level of Torah that's going to come with Mashiach. It says when Mashiach comes, he's going to teach the entire people Torah, and that's going to he's going to teach them the inner teachings of Torah, which today are too deep for us to even be able to comprehend. At any rate, this is the uh, this is the sikha. the 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 bottom line is that um, the medrash in this particular verse, the medrash and the and the pshat are required side by side.